This is for any and all of you who have ever given me a hard time about not wearing a suit when I preach. You know who you are. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Let's pray together. We, we need to pray. <laughs> oh, Father, it is good to be in your house. It's good to have fun, but it's also good to understand the seriousness of what this time of year is all about. Sinners can be saved. You have come to save us. God Almighty, we praise you for the gift of your son, this baby born to become a man to die. Lord, we ask that you would just stir in our hearts and clarify things for us, the truth in our minds. And I pray that you would guide me as I preach. I pray that I would preach with a passion. Help me to feed, feed the flock. And Lord God, may you be honored and glorified and may you even draw people and save souls this day. Do what only you can do by the power of your word and by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a lot of distractions at Christmas time. <laughs> things, things that catch our eyes and uh, things that clutter our minds and capture our hearts that have absolutely nothing to do with Christmas. From songs about reindeer to movies about Grinches and from twinkling lights and blow-up lawn ornaments, from sales and stores to ugly sweaters and suits. <laughs> With all the distractions this time of year, it is very, very important that we train our eyes, that we focus our minds, and that we guard our hearts. And that is the goal this morning, that we might truly learn how to concentrate on Christmas and to look past the distractions to the reason of the season. To concentrate on Christmas and look past the distractions for the reason for the season. No better way to do that than to look in God's word. So I invite you to turn to the book of Luke. Book of Luke chapter 2 is we pick up where we left off with the kids. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Read along as I read. Verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. Let's concentrate on the true meaning of Christmas. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. They were terribly frightened. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people for today. In the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. How do we concentrate this Christmas? Well, the first thing I want you to do is meet the shepherds, not Santa. That's who we see here at Christmas morning. We see shepherds. The same region. Well, this is near Bethlehem, two miles away from Jerusalem. We're, we're talking small town. We're talking way out in the country is where these guys would be. The first Christmas morning, we see shepherds, not Santa, not snowmen, not elves, not reindeer, and certainly not the Griswolds. <laughs> shepherds. Who are they? They are blue-collar workers working outside, working the night shift. That's who they are. I want you to understand, these guys are not well-groomed professionals sitting behind a desk. They're not highly educated men with degrees, you know, proudly displayed on their office wall. They're not wealthy businessmen living in the nicest neighborhood or driving the newest camels. Ain't happening. Well, you may say, well, why did God's message first come to shepherds? And that's a good question. 
I think one reason is because God loves everyday, ordinary people. He didn't go to the king in his palatial palace in Jerusalem. He he didn't go to the self-righteous religious leaders who knew it all at the temple. He didn't go to the self-made millionaires who were running the city. See, I want you to understand, some people are are just too rich for God. They don't need them. They're too smart for God. They don't need them. They're too arrogant for God. They don't need them. God went to the nameless nobodies of the world. We're never given the shepherds' names. I want you to understand, God has never been a fan of the arrogant. He knows that every single man, no matter his stature, is but dust. And to dust he will return. See, I want you to understand, Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. It is the gentle, it is the meek that will inherit this earth, not the rich and the powerful. Why shepherds? They're ordinary people. Why shepherds? Shepherds know the purpose of sheep. If anybody knows sheep, it's shepherds. And, And we're talking about lambs. Lambs that would be sacrificed on the altar in Jerusalem, just two miles away. Lambs, every morning, every evening, would be slaughtered and sacrificed. There is a real possibility that these shepherds were looking after the sacrificial, sacrificial lambs that would be going to the altar. Is it not John the Baptist that would proclaim of Jesus in John 1, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They would soon meet God's little lamb. The shepherds were the first to see the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Shepherds knew sheep. God has always had a heart for shepherds. The shepherd boy David would be chosen king. Spiritual leaders throughout the Bible are likened to shepherds. God himself is a shepherd. Old Testament, Psalm 23, the Lord is my my shepherd, I shall not want. And in in the New Testament, John 10, two times, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. So concentrate this Christmas. Look past all of the distractions and see the shepherds. Meet them, not Santa. Secondly, behold the glory of the Lord, not lights. An angel of the Lord, verse 9, suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around, and they were terribly frightened. It was unexpected glory. I mean, it just appears out of nowhere, this glory and this angel. Angels are pretty fast, by the way. They show up, they disappear in an instant. Why Ezekiel 1.14 tells us that these living beings run to and fro like what? Bolts of lightning. That's how fast an angel is. And it's sudden, unexpected, without forewarning. And I want you to understand this. We know a lot about Christmas ahead of time. They knew nothing. I mean, we've got stores preparing for Christmas at Halloween. Drives me crazy. Black Friday, kicking off shopping season. They had no forewarning, these shepherds. They didn't have an advent calendar. Ooh, today's Christmas. Uh Uh-uh, no. No advertisements, no junk mail coming in the mail, you know, no alarms on their smartphones, no social media reminding them, you have five days till shopping, till your shopping's done. You have five days till Christmas. Some of you are freaking out right now. You only have five days. You better get, you only have five days. (laughs) They, They didn't have this. It was unexpected glory. It was brilliant glory. It looks, the glory of the Lord shone all around them. This is a serious light show. The Larson House in DeKalb has nothing on what's going on with angels and God's glory. And it was a fearful glory. It wasn't the weather outside that was frightful. It was the shepherds in the field that were frightful. And their response to this light show wasn't, wow, isn't that pretty? Ooh, isn't that nice, beautiful? You know what it was? I think I'm going to die. That was their response. They're scared to death is what they are. 
I want you to just get a feel for this angel and, and the glory of the Lord. Here's, here's one rendering of it. And, and you have to get this picture. There would be complete, utter darkness out in that field. There's no light pollution from a city. So, so I, I mean, you, you go from complete, utter darkness to instant brilliance, thinking getting up in the middle of the night to have to use the bathroom and putting on the high lights in your bathroom by accident. Boom! That's what it would be like. But somebody's talking to you. Concentrate this Christmas. You meet the shepherds, not Santa. Behold the glory of the Lord, not lights. Third, focus on salvation, not sales. Say it with me. Focus on salvation, not sales. Look at verse 10. The angel said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So first he sought to calm them down, and who knows how long it took for their hearts to stop racing. But he calms them down, and then he reminds them, do not fear. Do not fear. This year is the 50th anniversary of a Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie Brown, at one point in that show, cries out in frustration. What does he say? Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? You ever felt like crying that? Isn't there anybody in this world who gets it right? Isn't there anyone that can remind me what it's all about? He has a friend, Linus, who's forever sucking his thumb and holding on to his little blue blankie. And Linus, his good friend, says, Sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And then Linus proceeds to quote Luke chapter 2. And there's an amazing thing that happens with Linus. As soon as he says, Fear not... He drops his blanket. Linus never lets go of his blanket. And as soon as he is quoting scripture and reminding everybody what Christmas is about and what the angel said to the shepherds, fear not. He drops it. Christmas is a call to drop your blanket. Christmas is a time to stop living in fear. The birth of Jesus frees us from fear. The birth of Jesus is a proclamation of Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. God is with you. You have nothing to fear. God walks with you. You have nothing to fear. God loves you. God cares for you. God is with you. You have nothing to fear. Drop the blanket. Drop the blanket of fear. What's going to happen to my children? What's going to happen to my marriage? What's going to happen to my home? What's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to my fight? Drop the blanket of your fear. God is with you. He walks with you. He cares for you. He loves you. He, he came to save you. You have nothing to fear. Drop the blanket and cling to your God instead. Why no fear? He says, I got good news, great joy for all the people. You know what the angel says? It's all good. It's all good, it's all great, and it's all good and great for everybody. You got nothing to fear. And he says, today in the city of David, fancy way, special name for, for Bethlehem, today in the city of David has been born for you a Savior. In other words, everything changed that day. Uh, hope arrived on the scene that day. A Savior was born that day. Galatians chapter 4. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that we, he might redeem those who are under the law, so that he might, we might receive adoption as sons. Listen carefully. 
Jesus's birth, Jesus's life, his death, Jesus is the means of our redemption. Jesus is the means of our adoption. The baby was born so that I might be born again. We just sung it, Charles Wesley hymn. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them what? Second birth. He was born so that I could be born again. He was born so that I could be born into life eternal. That's why the Savior came. Bethlehem is where he would be born, prophesied in Micah 5.2. But, but as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. What do we know about him? His goings forth are from what? Long ago. How long? From the days of? Eternity. He is God. He is God who has become man, and he has been born for you. You ever watch kids around the Christmas tree, and they go and they look for their presents, and, and, and the little guy goes under there, and he grabs this print, he pulls it out, and he looks at the name. Ugh, it's for his brother. And then he, pulls out, then he pulls out the big one, but it's for his sister. Ooh. And then he gets one, and it has his name on him. His name on it? Priceless. I want you to understand, this gift has your name on it. Jesus was born for you. He was born for you. He was born to save you, to intercede for you, to forgive you, to care for you. He is the perfect gift for you. God knew just what you needed. You needed to have all your sins washed away. God knew just what you needed. You needed to be saved from all the wrong that you have done. God knew just what you needed. You needed forgiveness and his love. And so he sent it to you. He sent it to you in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, the perfect gift. Three titles are given to this perfect gift. Savior, Christ, Lord. Savior meaning he's the deliverer. He's the redeemer. I, I love what someone did. It's so creative. For unto us is given. Look at what somebody did. I love that. For unto us a son is given. What are we? We're forgiven through Jesus. It's the recurring theme of the nativity scene, the angel's message to Joseph in Matthew 1. She'll bear a son, you'll call his name Jesus, for he will what? Save his people from their sins. Here in this passage in Luke 2, born for you a savior, Simeon, holding the Christ child in his arms, giving praise to God in the temple recorded in Luke 2, 28. He took him into his arms, blessed God, and said in verse 30, for my eyes have seen your what? Your salvation. I am looking, God, at your salvation. I'm holding it in my hands, this little boy. And what is it? You prepared in the presence of all the people a light of revelation to the Gentiles. That's us, unless you're a full Jew here. You're a Gentile. He's our light of revelation. He's our light of salvation and the glory of your people, Israel. He is Savior. The next title is Christ, meaning Messiah, the anointed one, King of kings, Lord of lords, from the royal line of David. He is the rightful heir over this planet, coming back again to rule and reign forever. And he is Lord, sovereign deity, God Almighty. Concentrate this Christmas. Look past all of the distractions. Focus on salvation, not the sales. Next, verse 12. Watch the manger, not the movies. Watch the manger. 
This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, yeah, you can watch your movies, but if you're going to watch a movie, watch the nativity at least. At least it has something to do with Christmas. At least you'll see the baby in the manger. He says this will be a sign. This will be proof. This is the evidence. You're going to find a baby. You're going to find a baby. Guys aren't typically good at finding things. You're going to find a baby. Guys don't typically look for babies. We look for our car. Where do we park? We look for our tools. Who took my tool? Oh, yeah, I put it there. Look for a baby. Not another angel, not a grown man. Look for a newborn baby. And this is no ordinary baby. This is God himself wrapped in the humility of humanity. That's who he is. John 1.14, read it with me. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's God becoming a baby. Philippians 2, 6 and 7, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant. That's the baby. Being made in the likeness of a man. That's the baby. I love how Daryl Bach put it. The great God of heaven sends the gift of salvation to humans in a serene, unadored package of simplicity. Simplicity. Charles Spurgeon is one of my favorite preachers of old. I remember listening to him back in 1858. No, I didn't. I wish I could have listened to this man. I, I want to I quote part of a sermon that he delivered September 19th, 1858, called His Name Wonderful. Just enter into this. Talk of the sun, moon, and stars. Consider the heavens, the work of God's fingers. But all the wonders of the universe shrink into nothing when we come to the mystery of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. There have been sights matchless and wonderful at which we might look for years and yet turn away and say, I cannot understand this. Here is a deep into which I dare not dive. My thoughts are drowned. This is a steep without a summit. I cannot climb it. It is high. I cannot attain it. But all these things are as nothing compared with the incarnation of the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born of the Virgin Mary and became a man. Is he not rightly called wonderful? And then he picks this apart. Listen. Infinite and an infant. Eternal and yet born of a woman. Almighty and yet hanging on a woman's breast, supporting the universe and yet needing to be carried in a mother's arm. Wrap your mind around that. King of angels and yet the reputed son of Joseph, heir of all things and yet the carpenter's despised son. Wonderful art thou, O Jesus, and thou shalt be thy name, what? Forever. He is wonderful. He is our Savior. A sign, a baby, a manger. That's where you're going to find him, not in a hospital, not in a home. It, this, you're talking a barn birth. He, he's, he's going to be born where cows calve and where donkeys foal and where sheep lamb. And he's placed in an animal feeding trough, a manger. Now, doesn't that sit well with you germaphobes? Ugh. A manger. That's where animals lick things out of and slobber. Think your dog dish supersized. Okay? Put a baby in that. I mean, no way. This is your firstborn, maybe your third or fourth kid. You don't do that with your firstborn. I mean, the firstborn, everything is perfect. 
And you get down later, it's like, whatever. <laughs> this is a manger, a feeding trough. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the creator of stars and universes. And he's put in a feeding trough. He's okay with this? Yeah, he's okay with it. It was his idea. Just put me in that little feeding trough. That'll do. That'll do. You know, I just want to say something here. If God is okay with a manger, what do you need to be okay with? What do you mean by that, Pastor Scott? If God is okay being placed in an animal feeding trough, what do you need to be okay with? Stop whining about your house and start enjoying it. Stop complaining about the car you drive and give praise to God for it. Stop bellyaching about the clothes you wear. Hey, listen, I got enough to bellyache about. <laughs> and deal with it and praise God you have clothes. I want you to get this. Everything didn't have to be perfect with God. It doesn't have to be perfect with you. Some of you get all upset if the bed isn't made. Man, are you uptight. Try sleeping in an animal dish. What's your problem? It doesn't have to be perfect with God. It doesn't have to be perfect with you. Let that be part of the Christmas message. You don't have to have the perfect gift for that person. And you don't have to have the perfect gift. God didn't have it perfect Christmas morning. It doesn't have to be perfect with you. Concentrate this Christmas. Look past the distractions. Watch the manger, not movies. Next, hear the angelic choir, not crowds. Look at verse 13 and 14. Suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Look at this. This is the very first Christmas program. Carla and I added up how many programs we've gone to. It's about 40 with our five kids over all the years. It's a lot of Christmas programs. But they were all perfect, let me tell you. They were all great. <laughs> you have this massive amount of angelic beings, a multitude. You may say, how many are a multitude? A lot. Hundreds, thousands, we don't know. Too many to count is what it means. Innumerable angelic beings everywhere. Ever try counting the amount of fireworks at a fireworks display or at the finale? You can't do it. They're innumerable. There's too many. That's what it was like with these angels. Uh, and here's an artistic rendering just to kind of give you an idea. I, I mean, just this, it's just filled. I can't count them all. There's angels everywhere. The brilliant glory of God is everywhere. Angels are everywhere. I mean, to, wow, talk about an opening act with one angel in blazing glory to this finale immediately with multitudes. It's a good thing they didn't start with a multitude. It would have wiped out. Those guys had died of heart attacks. You have this brilliant, radiant light display, voices raised in praise, all in unison, and imagine the volume filling the sky to no-name shepherds, a small group of them, the whole show to themselves. Wow. By the way, it's a massive choir. It's also a songless choir. What do you mean songless? Well, they're not singing Jingle Bells and they're not singing Rockin' Around. They're not singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town. As a matter of fact, they're not singing. You never see angels singing. They're not singing. Oh, I, there's a Christmas carol that says, I know, we just sung it. It's wrong. 
it, it says here they're praising and they're saying. You might as well insist that angels get wings when a bell rings if you're going to insist that angels sing at the Christmas story. This is not the, the, the word used for singing, just to let you know. It's proclaiming. It's saying is what they're doing. They're proclaiming God's glory. God's glory. By the way, not Mary's glory. You see people paying tribute to Mary? Wrong. It's all about Jesus. It's all about God's glory. Not the angel's glory, and certainly not some big guy in a red suit. He's nowhere near the story. Glory to God in the highest. What does it mean? It means to the highest of the highest of heavens give him praise. No one is more important. No one is higher than the Lord Jesus Christ. Proclaim his glory. Proclaim peace to man. It says, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Do you realize God came to make peace that's why he came. He came to make peace with his enemies. Who are his enemies? Look in the mirror. I was his enemy. You were his enemy. Until we received the peace of God through Jesus Christ. That's the message of, of, of Christmas. He's come to make peace with his enemies. Romans chapter 5.10 For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. Peace. Reconciliation with God. Again, Charles Wesley's song, Hark the Herald Angels Should Be Proclaimed. Say, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners, what? reconciled. That is the message of Christmas. He's the Prince of Peace, prophesied in Isaiah 9, 6. A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, what? Prince of Peace. God has come to make peace with us. God has come to give peace to us. So many in this world without peace, and some of you are here today. You live a life of chaos and confusion and you don't need to. Your home is filled with so much turmoil. It doesn't need to be. Your soul is restless all day and through the night you can't even sleep. God has said, would you let me give you peace? That's why I've come. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as this world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be fearful. God has said, I want to give you peace. That, that is what I can give you. Would, you. would you listen to me, God says? Would you start trusting me? Would you start obeying me in that area of your life where you haven't been obeying me? I, I want you to have peace, but you keep resisting me. Let God give you the gift of Christmas peace. Let him do that. Concentrate this Christmas. Look past the distractions. Next, hurry to the stable, not the stores. Hurry to the stable, not stores. Verse 15, when the angels had gone away into heaven and the shepherds began saying to one another, hey, let us go straight to Bethlehem. See this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry, found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. So the angels ascend up and out of sight, back to their realms of glory. 
And they discuss their plans. These angels, they talk, or these shepherds, they talk it over. And it's not about going to grandma's house. It's about going to see the baby in Bethlehem. And it didn't matter how late it was or how tired they were or what they were going to do with all their sheep. They went. Why? Because the Lord had made known to them. I want you to understand great privilege brings great motivation and great responsibility. When you have the privilege of understanding what Christmas is all about, it comes with great motivation to search it out and know it and to worship your God. It comes with great responsibility as well. What a blessing they had experienced, an astounding revelation given to these no-name shepherds. And what do they do? They hurry. It says here, they came in a hurry. The only hustle and bustle at Christmas was to spend time with Jesus. That was the only hurry at Christmas. I want to encourage every single one of us here, hurry this Christmas. Hurry and spend time with Jesus. Hurry this Christmas. Hurry and pray. Hurry and read your Bibles. Hurry and worship your God. Hurry this Christmas and spend time with the Lord. They hurry and they behold what the angel had foretold. They found their way. We don't know if they were looking for a glow of a light or listening for the cry of a baby. We know they weren't asking for directions. They're men. But anyway, and they see the baby laying in a manger and they gaze upon him. They gaze upon God's plan of salvation for all mankind. Concentrate this Christmas. Hurry to the stable, not stores. Concentrate this Christmas. Share the gospel, not gifts. Share the gospel, not gifts. No, I'm not saying it's wrong to give gifts. Or it, All I'm saying is look and learn from the passage. Don't get distracted this Christmas. See, when they had seen this, so the shepherds come in unannounced, uninvited, complete strangers before a woman who's just given birth. Awkward. I remember visiting a woman who had just given birth at the hospital. I was given the room number, went over to Rush Copley. I walk in, wrong woman giving, she's in labor at that moment. Whoa. Awkward. I want you to understand something. Then they share. Listen very carefully. You have not celebrated Christmas until you shared Christ with somebody. You haven't celebrated Christmas just because you went to grandma's house. You haven't celebrated Christmas because you exchanged gifts. You haven't celebrated Christmas just because you watched your favorite Christmas movie. It's not Christmas! You have not celebrated Christmas until you have told somebody about the Christ child. Until you've told them about salvation. Some of you here today have not celebrated Christmas in years. All you do is exchange gifts and end up taking some back. That's not Christmas. The shepherds teach us, you haven't celebrated Christmas till you have told somebody about Jesus, the Savior, who was born for them. So who are you going to tell this week? Who are you going to tell at work tomorrow? Coworkers, neighbors, teammates. Start celebrating Christmas as it's meant to be celebrated. Start telling people about the Lord. Start inviting them to church. Start bringing them out. Tell them what it's all about. Bring them out to the candlelight Christmas Eve service. Bring them back tonight to hear this message. Start sharing the gospel with people. 
not just gifts. It says here they wondered at these things. Who are they? Well, Mary and Joseph, maybe a midwife, maybe certain people that befriended them or the owner of the stable, we're not told. But look at Mary's response in verse 19. She treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. She's treasuring, taking it in, holding it precious and dear. She's pondering, she's contemplating the grandeur of everything she's just heard. And she's reflecting on it and thinking deeply on it. This is simply incredible. This baby before me that I have just given birth to. My child is the promised Messiah, the Lord Christ. This boy, born of the Holy Spirit. The one I cradle, the one I nurse, the one I change. Is God in the flesh. She ponders, she wonders. And one last thing we see in verse 20. Get excited, not exhausted. Look at verse 20. The shepherds, they went back glorifying and praising God for all that they'd heard and seen just as had been told them. Now, we're not told how long they stared at the baby. But I can only imagine they did. We're not told how long they questioned and talked with Mary and Joseph and the others who might have been there. We're not sure if they shared something to eat or drink. We're just not sure. But they go back eventually. And what was their response? To worship just to be caught up in praise. And and what's beautiful here is that we see that praise is contagious. The angels pass it on. And the shepherds pass it on. And you know who they pass it on to? You and me. Go out of this place praising God, thanking God, worshiping God, and pass it on to others and tell others what God has done. And they're so grateful. They're not grateful because they got that lightweight, durable, titanium shepherd staff. They've been waiting for that under the tree. No, it wasn't about the new sandals, this new line high-end sandals or the latest North Face face fleece. You know, that's not what it was about. They're glorifying God. They'd heard the angels' voices. They're glorifying God, seeing the Christ, the Savior of the world. Listen, They've been touched by the baby Jesus, and they will never be the same. When you are touched by the Lord Jesus, you will never be the same. Let the Lord Jesus touch you this Christmas like he hasn't in a long time. Let him change you, and let him save you. Concentrate this Christmas and look past the distractions. What do we learn? Say it with me. Meet the shepherds, not Santa. Behold the glory of the Lord, not lights. Focus on salvation, not sales. Watch the manger, not movies. Hear the angelic choir, not crowds. And hurry to the stable, not stores. Share the gospel, not gifts. And get excited, not exhausted. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for reorienting us to what it's all about. And we know as soon as we leave this place, we will be bombarded by this culture and its craziness. Help us to learn how to focus and not get distracted. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You as believers in Jesus Christ, you know the Lord already. Talk to him right now. Maybe it's about 
dropping that blanket of fear because God is with us. Maybe it's about sharing the gospel with coworkers and neighbors and family. And that coming naturally because it's just an overflow of the joy of what God has done in your own life. Ask God to help you, to embolden you. Maybe you've been caught up in all the consumer and commercialism, trying to find the perfect gift. Doesn't have to be perfect. Talk to God about that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning and for the first time Christmas makes sense. That you realize salvation is being offered to you. And you may say, Scott, I, I need forgiveness. I need God. I want to be saved. What do I do? In the quietness of your heart right now, I would ask you just to call out in faith to the Lord and ask Him to save you. Just use words like these, Lord Jesus. Please forgive me for all my sin. Lord, please save me from all my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you were born to die for me. Lord, I place my faith in you to save me. I can't save myself. Only you can save me. Forgive me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.